0: Hello and welcome back. This is Colin Keeley here.
1: I'm Brent Sanders.
0: And we are two guys buying and building wonderful internet companies.
1: Wonderful internet companies. Yeah. You know, and, and on that note, we, we need to uh, maybe come up with another name, right? Another, another word for beautiful business. You know, what's another, maybe just internet companies didn't want to lead with this, but we, we, we got a, we got somebody filled out our, first, a couple of forms being like, you got to stop copying tiny capital. And so I looked, I think that might, must be the tagline. It's too similar. I mean, we obviously want to be them and I will happily accept any criticism that we're, we're copying them. We are trying to be them as best we can.
0: Yeah. I'm all about shameless copying people that are billionaires. So I'm happy to <laughs> copy every single one of them.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I, uh, I think that's, that's the way.
0: It's funny. I, I think Andrew popularized the word wonderful, but I think he stole it from Warren Buffett. I assume that's why people. I don't know if people is a single guy decided to fill out all our forms and say you're copying tiny. But yeah, I, I like the word, so we're going to continue using it. So take that, yeah. Random stranger, maybe on the that's
1: the, the new way. If you want to send in topics, you can just fill out all of our forms and and throw in throw, <laughs> throw, a, throw a grenade at us. Be like, Colin needs to shave. He's got bacteria on his face. You know, whatever you yeah. need to do. But I don't know. Would you say? I mean, we we only have a couple companies, so wonderful. I don't know. Maybe we'll come up with a new one. We'll come up with like a really distinct adjective for, you know, all the companies. And then that'll be our rubric from from then on. But I, I would say we, we just, we could just say internet companies, by internet companies. Yeah. I tried beautiful Internet's for amazing. a
0: while and I just didn't think it was as nice as wonderful. But as far as who we're copying, I'd say, I mean, Mark Leonard is probably who we're copying more closely than Andrew. I mean, Andrew just bought AeroPress. Like we... I like the purchase, but we're not entertaining random coffee suppliers yeah. as acquisitions.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it; those things are great, but I, I don't have any interest in doing physical product.
0: Since you jumped into Andrew, do you want to talk about them going public first? Yeah, so
1: huge, huge, really exciting news. Like, I don't know what it means for the space in general. I mean, other than being a huge positive, but yeah, so Tiny has gone from a private, you know, portfolio company and. And I'm confused, so I don't know much about WeCommerce. I mean, I knew, I knew the name, but did, did they basically bring together two players or did they already own e- WeCommerce? I mean, you probably know more about the, the backstory than I do.
0: Yeah, they not 100%, but mostly owned WeCommerce. So that's like a bunch of Shopify apps. I think it started out at Pixel Union or some template company that they owned, sold, and then bought back and then started you know, raising more money and buying more. So it's like a holding company of Shopify apps effectively. But it was smaller. I don't know what the total was. It would be in the article. But they decided to do basically combine. So it's kind of like a SPAC situation. It's a smaller company combining with a larger one, which is Tiny, which is their holding company and going public. And some of the numbers are, I mean, the new enterprise value is about a billion dollars. Andrew owns, I think, 71% of it. Chris Barling owns 10%. And I think, Who's their investor guy? He owns just about uh, the rest of it. Bill Ackman. Bill Ackman, yeah,
1: yeah. Who's like legendary activist investor? Yeah. So there's We've a lot talked of about cool this stuff. before. Go Sorry, ahead. one one little thing about about Ackman. If you haven't, if you're not familiar with him, I mean, there's a semi you know famous documentary about his crusade against Herbalife. It was on Netflix, and it's it's an interesting one where, you know, it doesn't paint him in the greatest. Like, like, he's not just a guy, but he's a really smart guy. And he was kind of going after Herbalife saying, this is totally illegal, which it came down to them. You know, they ended up, you know, thriving. They ended up doing fine, but it, it exposed all this like shady shit. They do where, you know, it's multi-level marketing. It's, it is legal though. That being said, it was, that's, that's how I learned of him. I'm, you know, not huge on, you know, a fanboy of investors and stuff, but that came out a couple of years back and interesting guy. And so, yeah, they apparently Andrew paid to have, paid like 50 grand to have lunch with him. It was it fifty seven like thousand?
0: Yeah. So that's how they you know, met each other initially, hit it off. And then, you know, Bill has invested in the holding company and they've worked together kind of ever since. So that's pretty cool. I mean, it's cool. Like he paid money to get in the room with this guy and actually really worked out. The other cool thing here is Chris Sparling, who's like, I, I didn't know what their partnership was like. So it's 10% and 71% now. But the way it started it was funny. Andrew had this super successful agency called Metalab. Lab. He's in the middle of nowhere, Victoria, Canada, which I've actually been to. I had a wedding out there before I knew of Andrew. Super small place just outside Vancouver on an island. It's like maybe 20, 30 minutes to drive across the whole island. But he was really successful, had all these clients in like San Francisco. I think he went to the local bank. And he's like, does anyone know finance? I need someone that like knows accounting. And Chris is like, you know, at the local bank. He's like, I, I can help you out. And then he's like, great, I want to hire you. And now you're my partner. And that's like (laughs) kind of how they got started. That's so cool. And now, you know, Chris owns 10% of a billion dollar company. So, you know, congrats to those guys. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, that is so awesome. Yeah, I guess, so like the, the overall reaction is like super encouraging that like, you know, it's hard to think of somebody who's buying internet, buying wonderful internet, what do they call their companies? Are they also wonderful internet companies? Yeah, yeah, they have the wonderful internet companies, but even still, like, they, you know, just to see, okay, there, there's a, a pathway to going public even and seeing others do it, which is like a huge point of representation in this space, I guess, is seeing like little guys can, can turn into big ones. So, yeah, super exciting news.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. So I would say it's even harder to do this in Canada, but they bootstrap the whole way. So they never raised outside capital, no venture capital, no like even SBA, 7A loan, bank debt to get started, that kind of thing. They just, you know, built a money-making business and plowed that into other acquisitions and scaled to a billion dollars, you know, pretty quickly. So it's just super cool to see something like this. And, the
1: agency model, I, I mean, okay. this is what, yeah, the agency model works for generating a ton of cash. And I think that's where, you know, I had an agency for 15 years. And, you know, what I decided to do was, plow then into a studio model, which, you know, I think I'm I'm not saying I've Meta Lab and and Fulton Works for anywhere in the same realm. But still, like there is this idea of like, okay, you have all this excess capacity, you have these talented people. Could you be building equity with them? And it's hard to do. It's not trivial to say, hey, I'm gonna, you know, take resources away from paying projects and, you know, essentially allocate those to the right things. And I would say, you know, I tried it and I wouldn't say it failed, but I wouldn't I definitely am not going <laughs> public with a bunch of companies. So I definitely see the the balance there and, and it's challenging and it's it's awesome to see them succeed so well.
0: Yeah, I, I wonder why he did it. This is the obvious reason is like liquidity or access to more capital, but it's also just I mean it's awesome not having the reporting requirements and being your own private little kingdom. Yeah. So he hasn't talked about it on a podcast yet or anything. I'm curious to hear why he chose to do it.
1: Yeah, that... That does strike me as like, it's a whole different beast. And I'm wondering, like, what's that going to impact? Maybe nothing. I mean, but yeah, you know, it's, you're now a public company. Yeah. As you said, the reporting requirements alone would kind of scare me away. But I guess the the, the numbers don't scare me away. That's that's definitely the best part of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, they already had a public company, so maybe they had the infrastructure and decided the benefits are worth the downsides. But I mean, clearly they decided that for some reason or another, but... All right, you want to talk about less fun stuff, legal?
1: <laughs> so I've been giving Colin a lot of shit about this topic. It's, it is it is an important topic, but I've been just saying it's like, yeah, it's like talking through the Dewey Decimal System. But it, it's, it's interesting if you have multiple companies or if you have any companies, but it actually is a question I get. It's the first question you get for people that want to start something or maybe have something, but it's all about structure. So C-Corps, LLCs, what do you do with these, you know, how can they be kind of stacked in a way to, to build some tax advantage. And, you know, the, the first caveat we're going to throw out here is last I check, you're not an accountant or a lawyer. So this is not like advice. This is Colin doing research and sharing it with us. So don't get mad yes. at him if you fuck this up.
0: These are my notes. And if you're listening to this in the future, far in the future, that answer is probably different than what it is today. So this is just, yeah. you know,
1: that's the other thing it's is a lot of, of the tax knowledge. stuff, a lot of the tax stuff, like may go away, like the, which we're going to talk about QSBS, mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely on the, the line, but why don't you dive in? So like, I, let's start with a, a background here. Like, why did you dig into this?
0: Well, we have three companies now. And so if you're just getting started, it's just like, I'd set up an LLC, go make some money. You're off to the races. But once you have one company, two companies, three companies, at some point you have to figure out how do you structure these things for like minimize taxes, minimize liability. You know, you could throw debt on each individual company or if you're going to sell in the future, how best to... So we were going through it, you know, thinking of this fundraise, bringing some money that isn't our own into these companies and how best to approach it. So there's a lot to go through. So we're going to talk through (laughs) LLCs, C-Corps, S-Corps, QSBS gotchas, and then structuring a holding company, because there's all different ways to do that. Um, mm-hmm. So feel free to interrupt. I'll try not to cough. I'm getting over COVID. So I'm just coughing nonstop. But <laughs> So LLCs are limited liability companies. It's an entity that provides its members or owners with limited liability for debts and obligations without incurring corporate taxes. So an LLC acts as a pass-through entity. So for tax purposes, it's treated as, as if it doesn't exist. So you could stack them. You could do LLC, owning LLC. And basically they're ignored up until they run into a taxable entity, which is either an individual or a C-Corp. And so the profit, profits just keep flowing upward until it runs into one of those things. And then that person so, or C-Corp pays taxes on it.
1: So really, really quick, this is generally like our default for, or my it was always my default. So if you want to be yep. a software consultant, start an LLC, you file a Schedule C on your ta- I believe it's Schedule C, but you know, you just file an extra thing in your taxes. It goes in. You don't have to file a separate corporate return. It's cheaper. It's easier. You get the corporate shield. Like, it's it's the easy go-to. And and I think we, when we go through, we've we've started a couple of companies just to get something started. We'll just set up an LLC, right? It's the easiest thing, like through Stripe Connect or, or sorry, Stripe Atlas and just get the docs. And, and this was more so a couple of years ago. I think we started like Avocado using just plain old LLC terms.
0: Yeah, the like the, Carrying costs are cheaper, the setup costs are easier. so if you're just doing you know, consulting or like you have a course business or something simple, you just use an LLC. And then as you start making more money, you make over a hundred thousand or something in LLC. Often your accountant will say to become an S-corp and an S-corp is just a tax de- designation. It's not an entity. So this lets you become an employee of an LLC instead of just an owner. And so a C-corp or an LLC could be treated as, as S-corp for taxes. But the one big advantage is that as long as you pay yourself market salary, say like a hundred thousand or whatever, for most, you only pay self-employment taxes on that W-2 income. And then the rest of the profits are taxed as partnership proceeds and you don't have Mm -hmm. to pay self-employment taxes on it, which is a pretty big distinction and a big cost savings for a lot of folks.
1: Yeah. And that's how I run my consulting side of, of what I do. I mean, it's the other... Big thing that you can do that is a huge tax savings if you're into that world is like a SEP IRA, especially if you're the only person in that entity, you pay yourself a salary, you can then throw all of the, you know, remainders into the tax deferred account, which is super efficient, but you also have to have a bunch of extra cash on top of your salary sitting around. So yeah, that's, it, it's a great way to go to get started. Great way to go if you're doing like consulting, but for software businesses, especially, you know, a group of software businesses, maybe not so much. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And so that's LLCs, S-Corps. The next thing is C-Corps. So C-Corp provides its shareholders limited liability for debts and obligations as well. But the downside with it is corporate taxes. So LLCs don't pay corporate taxes, C-Corps do. And so it has to pay those corporate taxes before money can be distributed to shareholders. So this is known as double taxation. So shareholders, the corporate entity pays taxes and shareholders as well will pay taxes on dividends. And this used to be a much bigger deal before the JOBS Act. So it used to be 55 versus 37%. But now it's actually much closer. So C-Corp tax rate is 21% right now, which can change. The top dividend tax rate is 20%. So that's 41% all in. And the top LLC mm. tax rate is 37%. So now it is 41 versus 37 which is pretty close. And so the big reason or one of the big benefits of C-Corp's in this kind of small business world is QSBS which is something people throw around all the time on Twitter. But it basically means you could pay 0% in federal taxes on a sale of a company up to $10 million. It could actually be more in different situations. It could be 50 million, but for our purposes, call it 10. And that's per person and per company. So you could sell 10 companies in one year. And have it all be 10 million. With the criteria for that, C Corp has to be a C Corp. You have to be a founder, employee, or investor and hold the stock for five plus years. There's only some sectors that are allowed. So tech is allowed. That's great. Farms, banks, professional services like law firms, CPA firms don't qualify. There's some funky stuff like you could give your spouse and kids all shares to multiply the benefits. I guess spouse is becoming a little murkier. They don't like that, but I think kids are still fair game. Um, And Hmm. then you could do, you know, $10 each on all those. QSBS has to be owned by a non-C Corp. It can't be owned by another corporation. So it could be owned by an LLC or individuals. And it requires the exit to be an equity sale. You can't do an asset sale, which is the default for small acquisitions. So another hiccup there. You could also roll over, which I didn't know until somewhat recently. So if you sell before five years, you could roll the equity into another qualified small business. So that could be, it just has to be five years total
1: interesting
0: yeah that's a really nice one other kind of gotchas congress can kill qsbs at any time they've talked about doing it i'm sure they'll continue to try to the 21 percent corporate tax rate may not be permanent so that could go up and then if you're all c corps you're going to be paying a lot more in taxes if your cash pile gets beyond reasonable needs it could get taxed and mm. you know what is reasonable needs could differ yeah so basically you want to go with the c corp if you're planning on selling so and you're going to do it in equity sale so that's QSBS. If you want to fund future acquisitions, it's a good way to keep cash in the business without double taxes. So that's 21% versus 37%. Mm -hmm. If you have investors, it's nice because the QSBS and no pass through taxes. So it's easier and cheaper for them. Most of them strongly prefer it. And some will only invest in C-Corp. You could trap losses. So losses can be carried forward. If you have like a money losing startup, it's kind of nice. If you plan on structuring for compounding a hold co. Most go with the parent C-Corp and then LLCs and C-corp, C-Corps beneath them. So it holds cash up top and then it pays the lowest tax rates. Basically, profits flow up the chain of ownership until they hit that that parent C-Corp and pay taxes on that.
1: So like pausing there, let's say you have three companies, you have two winners and one massive loser that's, you know, you're you're investing in growth. It allows you to essentially even these things out. So you basically have these tanks using that analogy of like fluid filling up and, If one is empty, but the other two are full, you can essentially offset those with that, which is similar for our situation, right? It's like we have different entities at different stages and are planning on continuing to have different entities at different stages. So it's nice to kind of smooth all that out.
0: Right. There's also, I mean, there's, so that works great if it's a C-Corp up top, LLCs beneath, but you could also do it with an LLC up top and C-Corps beneath. So if you want each individual company to qualify for QSPS, that's another way people approach it. And then there's some weird things like, so you could do a C-Corp consolidation. So if a C-Corp owns 80% of a subsidiary, it's able to consolidate financials. So money losing companies can shield the profits of profitable companies. Mm -hmm. Or what was the other one? Dividend deductions. So yeah, if a C corp owns more than eighty percent of another one, it could deduct the dividends. So that's Hmm. like what Warren Buffett uses—that he could move, you know, capital around, even if it all is C corps that he owns. Oh, interesting. Um, So yeah, like there seems to be
1: all these different mechanics. Like if you are SaaS business owner, you have one business, you've got an LLC. Let's just pretend for for the sake of argument. Like who do you go to to? Because this is where I always get kind of confused. Talk to a lawyer, they're like, you need to talk to a count. And then the count was like, you need to talk to a lawyer. It's like, I never get a straight answer on this stuff. And I think that's why this, uh, this info is, is good. It's like, you, you kind of have to self-direct a little bit of this, like learn it. But as you've probably found out, it's this stuff super dry. And a lot of people just kind of glaze over and just like, you know what? I'll worry about it. Yeah. I think he checked
0: out for like the last 15 minutes here.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's, it's not the fun part. I guess that's, this isn't the reason I got into this world it's it's not the, the fun part to me but it's it's super not fun to get double tax or to pay more tax or to you know so it, it definitely captures your interest once things are successful and things are like you know you can't really go back and, and undo it so like who's the right person to ask if you don't want to do the legwork like an attorney an accountant both like i guess that's always the hard thing to find somebody who's kind of has that both in-house and can give you that
0: guidance. So it's a specialist accountant. How did I find the one I've talked to before and used, I guess, is Joyce. So one of our attorneys introduced us to this kind of specialized accountant. Oh, yeah. And knows how to structure these things. Um, yeah, shout out so to Joyce good to counsel. It. Yeah. So it's not like, I don't know, not a normal bookkeeper accountant guy. It's like a specialist yeah. that, you know, charges way more per hour. But if uh, with all these like professional people, the good ones, at least you could talk to them for the first meeting for free and that's actually what you get most of the value out of, at least for this kind of thing. You just have to know like what the recipe is and then you could go hand yeah. the recipe to someone else to cook it. Um, mm-hmm. So
1: that's kind of how we got so, there. If
0: you need a device, that... you could reach out. I could connect you.
1: Yeah. And, and now that you, you've you done this work, now that you've, you've kind of gone down this path, are, like, are we, I'm pretty sure we're going to change our entities around, right? Like we've, the, the impetus for this was like, Hey, we, we need to convert some things. We need to change some things. So it was, is that the game plan essentially is like, we, we want to basically look at switching all these to C-Corps.
0: Yeah. I think anything we think is going to sell for a meaningful amount of money should be a C-Corp. Even if we're not sure it's going to happen, the downsides are pretty minimal. Like the tax rate is not significantly different. Um, mm-hmm. And the upside is monstrous, right? If we end up selling these things, you know, Scout takes off, Automatic takes off, we sell it for 20 million like that is a significant difference in taxes in the future for us. And it's not like, I mean, it's a little more of a headache, I guess, to transfer things over, but it's not a big deal. I don't know. It's a few thousand dollars. Well, now's the
1: time, right? It's It's like we, these acquisitions are fairly new. Everything's within, you know, a year or two. And there's not a lot to, not a lot of history that we have to kind of go back. I mean, I don't even know what the process changed. Not that we'd have to do an audit or anything, but again, we don't, we haven't grown these things to the point where it's going to be so difficult.
0: Well, it's easy too, because we own all the equity, right? So it's just you and I re-signing things. It's not like a bunch of employees and investors. That would be more complicated.
1: Yeah. And I'm waiting, waiting until you ask me to sign it. I'm like, Colin, we need to talk about equity. We need to have, (laughs) we need to have a heart to heart. No, just kidding. Yeah. It's an interesting, interesting subject. I mean, it's a necessary evil, right? To like structure these things. I guess like the, the one question I'd have is like, and we we've, talked about this on prior, you know, about prior acquisitions of like have you thought about or, or seen anything like converting or, you know, essentially acquiring like a foreign entity? Because we've had a couple of deals now, two so far that got, I don't know if we had them both under LOI, but two that got at least close to that, where, you know, we were gonna have to set up something here, sell the assets to it from, you know, a foreign entity and and figure that out. I mean, I guess that's a good question for folks that are are thinking of doing acquisitions, especially ones that are even Canadian or Mexican, whatever you're, you know, something outside the U.S.
0: I don't know if any of it matters. I don't think it cares, right? If you're setting up the C-Corp here, qualify for QSPS, you buy all the assets, bring it into it. Mm-hmm. You know, the U.S. government doesn't really care about anything that's outside the U.S. So to them, yeah. the company looks like, you know, you bought it for 40 cents or whatever, or $40, I think is what it normally is with the C-Corp if you buy, you know, 50%. Nice. I think that's all they care about.
1: Makes sense. Well, this has been a great chat about accounting in a corporate structure, but important nonetheless. I mean, I think, you know, as we think about, we kind of go back and forth in this idea of having like, is this a holding company? Is it not? Are we going to sell these things? It, I mean, like strictly speaking, it is not a holding company in my mind. I don't know. I went to the Holdco conference and came out of there thinking this, is, we don't have like We would totally sell these businesses. Are you kidding me? Like if somebody came around and said, hey, here's, you know, the right amount, like absolutely would sell these businesses. But, you know, I would still say at our phase of growth right now, I I think of it as a holding company. I think of it as like we're using, you know, proceeds from one business to, to try to help grow another. Like we're moving these things kind of up together. And so maybe it's, I think there was another distinction that we defined that's the better for it, but. Anyways, Accumulator
0: think... is what, Accumulator, what constellation yes. would be considered and what we would be considered. It's like on the spectrum of a holding company. I mean, yeah, we definitely are. You could be a holding company that sells. That's often why you end up with an LLC up top and, you know, C-Corps below because you want mm-hmm. those to do QSBS and it's more flexible governance to do an LLC up top. The, the other question is like, do you need anything up top or? We just, as individuals own the QSBS, you know, qualifying shares. And the reason you put it LLC is like flexibility. You could bring investors onto that top range and more flexible governance and different things.
1: Makes sense. Makes sense. Cool. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's been interesting to at least walk through in the context, you know, all this stuff is abstract, unless you slap like, okay, our businesses on it and see like, okay, well, what is this actually gonna mean for us? So that part of it is always interesting, but yeah. I mean, I don't have any other questions. Anything else you want to mention about this before we move on to the next hot topic?
0: I mean, just get good advisors. This stuff matters a lot. Like if you're actually thinking of exiting in five years. So getting things set up properly at the start is good. Hopefully this is like a nice introduction for you, but shouldn't be what you're basing all your major life decisions on. So go talk to someone that knows it better than me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess the thing that scares me about the QSPS is that it can go away. Like, that's, it's such a holy grail. Everyone kind of is interested in that and it's a great incentive. But yeah, I just get nervous that like somebody else gets voted in or there's some political noise that happens. And then it's like, yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. And that's the whole reason I, I we did something or made a choice. So I guess there's just has to be other, other reasons backing it.
0: Yeah. I mean, what would be bad is that the C Corp tax rate goes back to like 40%. And then QFPS yeah, yeah. dies. And then you're paying like 60% instead of 37 and for no r- real benefit anymore. That would yeah, be a bummer, exactly. But you probably just reorient things somehow. Cool. But yeah, uh, anything, anything else? else you wanted to mention before we move on? No. All right. The other big update is I survived COVID. It turns out COVID isn't yeah. fun. I have been sick in like five years. I didn't enjoy it. I don't recommend it.
1: Yeah. So um, how did you get it, first of all? Was
0: it probably flying? It had to be just timing wise, I think sometime in Chicago, I've been in Florida and I'm staying in Florida for a you know, number of extra weeks here. But yeah, I just, I don't know. COVID really got me. It was really not fun. I just stayed outside, trying not to get anyone else sick and seemingly got no one else sick. So it was successful in that case.
1: So the worst part about it, and I don't know, like I've had it a couple of times, but the one time I've had it, it was just the fatigue. Like you're just tired. You can't do anything. You're just worthless. Did you feel like yeah, that? Yeah, I had was a really bad sore
0: throat. The bad sore throat was probably the worst. I'm also just a complete nose breather. And not being able to breathe out my nose is like the end of my life. I just couldn't breathe. It was not fun. But that was only like two days of it, and then yeah, I just tired. Just I basically laid. We have like an outdoor couch, so I laid outside all the time. Oh, uh, that's like, the best. contaminate everyone else, but yeah, yeah. Florida's you look nice, like you have a nice little, little
1: tan, nice little glow, a little post COVID glow. So yeah, a bit. Florida's treating you well.
0: Yeah. I like warm weather. I'm pumped to move to Austin.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So when, when, like, I guess going on to personal stuff, you
0: are coming off. So are you, like, officially back from your paternity leave now? I, I mean, it's fluffy, right? So we don't have daycare yet. Daycare starts in, like, a little less than a month. Um, okay. so that's what are I'll you doing for daycare? daycare big day. questions. What do you mean? It's just, like, the local daycare.
1: Oh, you're going to do So we had a nanny, though. So, like, that. that's what I mean. Like, oh. we had a nanny and... You know, my wife was very opinionated about this stuff, and I kind of wish we did daycare, but I think the downside is they get sick more, but they end up going to school and they end up getting sick anyway. So, yeah, that'll be so you're doing daycare every day. And when you go back to Chicago, right?
0: Yeah, basically a little less than a month. And so, I have other friends that have gone different ways. They say babies don't get the socialization benefit till like it's a year and a half or something like that. Yeah. So, I guess technically, babies don't play with each other, they just are in their own little worlds for like a little over a year. So that's they a reason to do a play. nanny. Yeah. But we're also moving to Austin. So we're only at daycare for like three, four months or something like that before the summer's up.
1: it's coming up soon here. So you're moving and then you, do you even like, have you looked at houses? I like the, the whole moving thing, that's going to be a whole, a whole
0: thing. Yeah. I've been looking at like neighborhoods and just trying to get like a feel for real estate there. My wife's start date is like October 1st, October 2nd. So we have to okay. be down there for then. So we're... Kind of thinking, you know, trips over the summer to try to find a place.
1: All right. Well, holler yeah. at Colin if you're selling a, a really well-priced home uh, yeah. in the Austin area. I guess, like, are, would you guys rent for a while until you, like, found the right right place?
0: I mean, I think ideally you find something you buy over the summer, but yeah, you know, I think that's probably where we end up. But so but Real I, estate in Austin has also gotten nuts. So it's dropping, yeah. I think, 15 more percent is what Goldman Sachs is predicting this year. So I'm yeah. hoping that happens sooner rather than later, not, like, after we buy it. So we'll see.
1: Fucking Joe Rogan moves anywhere, and and then it's over. The housing market's just, you know, light on fire. It was Malibu, and now it's it's Austin. <laughs> I'm kidding. Just totally kidding. You know, I got to say, the one thing I've been realizing lately is, like, the wealth of having grandparents around. Like, so my, my folks don't live anywhere near me, but my, my in-laws do. And just, like, so when when somebody gets sick or whenever... I got to say, that's been an amazing thing. Do you think anybody's going to come down and, you know, maybe have a place to stay or are you setting up any, any landing pads for, for family?
0: Yeah. So I, in Austin, there's a lot of these homes that like bungalows and then they have a casita in back. So like a little Uh standing house. So I And I think they have pretty lax like building permits and everything. So ideally we buy a house with one. And if they don't, I think it's fairly easy to get one built. So that would be the plan. And it's Austin. So I think people are gonna be happy to come visit the warm weather. All our families in the Midwest. So yeah. Um, at least that's the hope. We'll see.
1: Very cool. Well, we're excited to see, you know, as things come back to, to reality, we've got a lot of fun stuff to work on and you know, all the things that we're working on as far as having you back full-time off of off of parental leave.
0: Yes. Yeah, back to it. I'm excited.
1: <laughs> Done with changing diapers. I think that's it. I don't know. I, I, any updates on my end are more product-oriented, or, you know, but I don't want to bore people with that stuff and we'll just bore our customers with it.
0: Yeah, we'll have more fun updates on Scout and everything, I guess, soon. Let's just batch it all into an episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, we should. I can rant about all the code and, and other stuff. But yeah, well, I think that's all we got this week, right? Anything else in here? And I guess that's the list of topics I got. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. All right. till next week. Take care, everyone.
0: Thanks for listening.